This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. All right, so take your Bibles and turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. We continue in this study. We have people watching all over the United States and into some foreign countries, and every now and then we get a question or two that comes our way, and I want to answer this question for Suzanne, who is watching all the way in Dallas, Texas. This is just for you, Suzanne, tonight, all right? And I'm sure it'll be beneficial for other people, too. The question is, um, the location of Jesus' crucifixion. And a couple of Wednesday nights ago, maybe it was last Wednesday night, I don't know when exactly, but I was teaching on... There are, there are various locations in the Holy Land that are, uh, because of denominational superstitions or uh, beliefs, that's a better way to say it, um, people conclude, well, this is where Jesus was crucified, this is where he was, this is where he was. But I want to give you a biblical answer for that and not superstition. And uh, actually, I'm going to give you two verses for it. And fellas back there, you guys are not tuned up, keyed up for, for these two verses, but uh, I want to give this uh, insight. I won't stay long with this tonight because we have so much to do here. But um, I guess the best place to start the answer now, let me say this. Please don't come to me with an avalanche of questions because the, I'm answering them as we teach, as we go along. So, but tonight I will do this. And I think to do it properly, there is an Old Testament perspective and there is a New Testament aspect of this. I want to look first in Leviticus. So, fellas, get this on the screen. Leviticus chapter 111. And let me just give you a little history here, history class tonight, real quickly here. Um, this was very important in the early days of tabernacle. Uh, when the transition was made from the tabernacle going to the temple. All right, so that has been made. And now this is, this is early temple worship. Um, and uh, this is what the scripture says. This, this is paramount. It goes hand in hand with the scripture we're going to look at in Hebrews real quickly here. But so, do we believe as born-again Christians that Jesus was crucified on Golgotha, the place of the skull? Or do we believe that he was crucified where the Church of the Holy Sepulchre has been erected today. Those are the prominent two points of identification that denominational beliefs and practices has concluded. We believe, as born-again believers, that Jesus was crucified on Golgotha. Golgotha is Mount Calvary. And uh, there are reasons for that. I, again, I, I could give you multiple scriptures on that. 
they led Jesus out to the place of the skull and so forth. Um, but these two verses that I'll, I'll stick with tonight, this is talking about the sacrifice, which the sacrifices in the Old Testament were foreshadows of the sacrifice that Jesus, the Lamb of God, who would take away the sin of the world, where Jesus would die on the cross, being our sinless, spotless, once and for all sacrifice on the cross. But the sacrifices in the Old Testament were a foreshadow of the prophecies of Jesus to come. Now, in the early days in the Old Testament, when they were offering sacrifices, this was the instruction, and location was paramount. And he shall kill it on the side of the altar northward. That's This is fundamental. Before the Lord and the priest. Before the Lord, notice that. And the priest Aaron's son shall sprinkle his blood round about upon the altar. Now, the, the significance about that is that because the site of crucifixion was north of the city of Jerusalem, north of the city of Jerusalem, and uh, the temple, uh, the, the altar in the temple was in the north. This was outside of the city walls, outside of the... Now, we were talking earlier tonight, certain things have been moved here and there because of wars and so forth. But for example, uh, the ruins of Solomon's temple, the Wailing Wall, that's not been moved. There are, there are strategic things that have not been moved. And one of them, this is preserved. But the main scripture that I want to give is in Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 12. And uh, let's get that up quick, fellas. And it says this, Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, look at this, suffered without the gate. Jesus was crucified outside of the city walls. And this altar of the Old Testament was also located. And by the way, that is north, outside of the city walls, and that's exactly where the Old Testament sacrifices were offered. They go hand in hand. They correlate together. The Church of the Holy Sepulchre is, is traditional superstition. I've been in it one time too many. And it's only been one time. And I felt like I was in a den of devils when I went in there. Um, it, it is nothing but paraphernalia. Um, it's it's damp, it's cold, it's dreary, it looks like a dungeon. And uh there it's it's just it'll it'll give you nightmares. I had the same feeling when I went to Yad Vashim, which is a Jewish Holocaust museum. I thank God for the liberation of the Jews during World War Two and but I I've I don't I don't do those things well. I've seen that one time, I don't care to go back again. Clearly, the scriptures teaches us in the New Testament, Jesus was crucified on Mount Calvary, Golgotha. They led him to the place of the skull. This church of the Holy Sepulchre is not in the direction of either the Leviticus explanation or the Hebrew 13.12 explanation. And so, um, I hope that's good for you. 
Thank you, Suzanne, for asking that question. Thank you, sister, for bringing that question to me. I appreciate that. All right. So let's, let's get to work tonight. I want to uh, continue our study with, Hebrew, with uh, Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 5. And uh, there's, there's so many things coming out of the Scripture that, that has led us to where we are taking the long way from Revelation 3.5 to Revelation 3.6. It's the long way to verse 6. But they are important footsteps. We're talking about the doctrine of salvation, and I have already given you those clear as day, the doctrine of salvation. And so now we're going to be talking about the assurance of it. And all of this comes out of where I, I, I will eventually answer the question in verse number five. Let me read it for you. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his holy angels. And so the question uh, in in theology, when we're studying a scripture like this, is is the book of life the same thing as the Lamb's book of life? And that's that's the question before us, and it's a long way to get to the answer, but um, it's beneficial for you without question. Okay. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago what I thought was and what I believe to be the most tragic word in the entire Bible. And that word comes from Luke chapter 19, verse number 10. And for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. To me, in my study, the most tragic word, single word in the entire Bible, in all 66 books, is this one word, lost. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul. That's, that's a frightening word. But tonight I want to share with you what I believe to be the most tragic passage, the most tragic passage in all of the Bible. And it's found in Matthew chapter 7, verse number 21 and 23. And when I read these verses, you are immediately going to be reminded of them. But I want to expound upon them. The most tragic passage in all of the Bible, I believe, is right here. In verse 21, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Doesn't the Bible say, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? We're very, very familiar with that. But we have to be very careful not to take that out of context. When we take a verse of Scripture out of context, we, we get into to, to big trouble. I, I heard a preacher the other night take a passage out of the book of Acts completely out of context and implied it to mean something engulfed with heresy. 
um, and it revolved around the passage that God is no respect of persons, and he's not. But that scripture is revolving around the opportunity that everybody has an opportunity to be saved, no matter who they are. God is no respecter of persons. He's not the respecter of, uh, of, of the Jews, the Greeks, the Gentiles, whatever it is. Uh, he's no respecter of person, and the gospel is open for everybody. That's the proper context of that passage. But to imply it to mean something else all in itself. I don't have time to go there tonight, but when you take the Word of God out of context, you you have all kinds of problems. Now, does the Word say that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? True. Well, this says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord. So the the argument is this. Jesus is not saying that people are calling on me and I'm refusing them. This is what he says. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, the most tragic passage in all of the Bible, in my opinion. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many shall say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And Jesus comes to the conclusion and he says, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, in verses 21 through 23, Jesus is warning of the destruction and the doom, the fate of the hypocrites and the false prophets. And with this warning, he brings a close to the great sermon of the mount. And in this conclusion, Jesus is discussing and declaring an irreversible end to someone who is truly not saved. And it's certainly, I believe, a tragedy for somebody to journey through this life and not be saved. Especially when the gospel in today's uh, time that the gospel is being preached in every corner of the earth today. And by the way, that's one of the, the signs that is necessary, uh, that's uh, pre-rapture prophecy that's going to happen. And that's been foretold. And you know and I know that the gospel is being preached in all, all corners of the earth today. We know that. And But to think about this, to have an eternal soul lost forever. I don't know of a greater tragedy for that. But it's just as bad for somebody to journey through life and think they are saved and truly not be. Now all of this is leaning and leading towards the assurance of salvation. Because whether a person is not saved by declaration or not saved by believing he was saved, the end, the same result. It's the same. 
Somebody might say, well, pastor, are you saying that it's possible for a person not to be saved when they think they are saved? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I will tell you that it's not because of a heavenly deception. So first of all, I want you to carefully notice something here. I want you to look at verse number 22. And and these are the questions coming back in Matthew chapter 7. Okay, have we not prophesied in thy name? Yeah, that's what Simon the sorcerer wanted to do. But he, he wanted to buy the Holy Spirit. All right. In thy name cast out devils. There's no doubt in my mind that Judas Iscariot was with the disciples and the apostles when this activity was being done. And in thy name done many wonderful works. That, that's, that's the warning that I give to people that uh, travel through their church experience wanting to do things before people and all the while, really, truly, deep down inside of the heart, they're wanting somebody to say, man, that brother did this, that sister did this, and, and they are loathing in that recognition when the truth of the matter is, Jesus said, if that's what you crave, when you get those pats on the back and those handshakes, that's your reward. So be it. Haven't we done all these wonderful things? It's possible. Have you not ever heard of a preacher that has preached and pastored a church for 25, 30 years and somewhere down life's road got saved? You say, how can that be? I know of two. The first pastor that built this church T.A. Powell had been preaching the gospel for 20 years and said I want to confess to the congregation I just got saved. I, I know people that that's happened to. I have pastored this church for almost four decades, and I tell you, through those years, I have seen people come forward that I thought was saved, stood before us and gave a testimony, testifying of their salvation. And think about it. They profess, hey, today I really meant it. Today I really got it right. Today was the day. Today I got saved. So it happens. People prophesy in the name of Jesus. That doesn't mean they're saved. Have we cast out devils? Done many wonderful works? All of these things were done in the name of Jesus. But listen carefully. Look at them very carefully. Which one of these three things brings about salvation? Preaching in Jesus' name. Does that save anybody? Casting out a devil. Does that save anybody? Doing wonderful works. Does that save anybody? So you see, Jesus did not say in these scriptures here, Matthew 7, he didn't say this, listen. He didn't say, I knew you a long time ago. 
Man, we had a great thing going. I knew you a long time ago. I knew you then. But this is now. I knew you then, but man, you've messed up along the way. You've taken some bad turns. You've really made some terrible mistakes. Is, is that what he said? He said, I never knew you. Now you think about that. That puts chills on. That's why I say I believe it's the most tragic passage in all of the Bible. That means this. Jesus is saying, not at any time. Oh, you, you might have preached in my name and you might have cast out devils or you might have done a lot of wonderful works. But Jesus is not saying, I knew you then, but I don't know you now. He is saying something entirely different. He said, I never knew you. And so these are not people who were one time saved and for whatever reason lost their salvation. We don't believe that. And I'm going to give you the scriptures why we don't believe that. Why you cannot uh, only know the truth of salvation, but you can have the assurance of salvation and then you can be assured of eternal security. We will get there. So Jesus is saying that there, in these particular scriptures, he says that there is a time that I, that he said, even though I recognize you as a human being, I never knew you as a child of God. And let me, let me say this. If you are truly saved, you know it. Nobody has ever had to convince me that I was saved. Nobody. If you are truly saved, then you know it. And the scripture I want to give you for that is in John chapter 10 and verse number 14. And again, I told you earlier on we're going to have a lot of scriptures. And I want you to write some of these things down. You'll be confronted in some time of your life about these very subjects. But... Jesus declared this in John 10, 14. He said, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. John 10, 14. And so this, this world is filled with people who do a lot of good, humanitarian, wonderful good deeds every single day. And many people do good things in Jesus' name, in the name of the church, in the name of the religion, denomination that they are a part of. But many have never known Jesus in the aspect of forgiveness of sin. And that's paramount. And so Jesus said, I never knew you as my child. And, and so let me assure you of something. Many people join churches who are not saved. When people come down here, I, I ask them basically two questions. We, sometimes I'm fortunate enough to ask questions of folks who have indicated they want to come into the fellowship of our church. I'm often fortunate enough to have private conversations with them before they come down publicly and always ask them this, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? The second question is, have you been scripturally baptized? You've been immersed, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Have you been 
scripturally baptized. So the only thing I have to go by is what people say. And when people come down here and they want to join the church, I ask them here quietly in front, do you know the Lord is your Savior? Have you been scripturally baptized? All I have to do is go by is what they say. That's all I have. Many people have been baptized. Listen carefully. Many people have been baptized. Many people go through life totally deceived. They were sprinkled as a child and think they are saved. The problem with that is this. You see, everybody has to come to a personal accountability. I cannot save you. I cannot, I cannot take a baby and say, okay, you're going to be saved. You're going to go to heaven. And this is how you do it. Give me some of that water. In the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Ghost, you are saved. You are a child of God. You're going to heaven when you die. Does that make a lick of sense to you? The problem with that is this. I can't save anybody. And a person cannot be saved unless they have come to the awareness of their sin. They got to know what they're being saved from. They have to, the, the word says this in Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the, call upon the name of the Lord. It doesn't say for whosoever is baptized can go to heaven. It says for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Now listen, you've got to have a sense of maturity to do that. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Now the question is this, somebody needs to say, well, why do I need to call on Jesus? How can a baby do that? Well, because Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He is the Savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. That's what the words. See, you explain this to a child. You explain this to, to a teenager. You explain this to an adult. You can't explain that to a baby. You, you can whisper in his ear all you want to and hocus-pocus everything you want to do, but that child is, is a soul. Headed for eternity. So here's the thing. Not just in a case like that, but people come through life and from various different places and they've never been born again and join churches every day. Many people have been baptized but never, ever, ever have been born again. They're washed in the baptismal pool but they have never been washed in the blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So here's the thing. Water does not cleanse anybody from sin. It is the blood of Jesus. In fact, 1 John 1, 7 says this, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. And I want you to listen to this very carefully. I believe that one of the greatest things that we could ever hear Jesus say is well done. Thy good and faithful servant. I believe that's, as a Christian, when we get to heaven, to hear the Lord say, well done. But do you know the worst thing that could, we could ever hear God say to us? Depart from me, 
ye that work iniquity, for I never knew you. But one way or another, listen carefully, regardless which of the two he will say to you, the scripture says this in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 10. Whether he says, well done, or whether he says, depart from me, he will say, this is what the scripture says about everybody. Well done, depart from me. In Philippians 2.10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of the things in heaven, of the things in earth, and the things under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Think about it. Think about it. Well done, enter into the joy of the Lord. We fall on our knees. We lift up holy hands. And we begin to praise God, worthy is the lamb that was slain. On this side, at the great white throne, God is saying, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, for I never knew you. Somebody falling on their knees, on their way to hell, and say, truly, this man was the son of God. He is the Lord. Because the Bible says that every knee will bow. Every knee will bow. That means those that are hearing, well done. That means that those that are hearing, depart from me. Every knee will bow. On this side, nothing can be reversed. Can you imagine? Listen, there are two people in hell tonight that I think are having the biggest nightmares of them all. And that's this. Do you remember the man who came to the Lord? He came, he came to the apostles. He had seen Jesus on occasions. He had heard the testimonies. He, he had heard of the miracles. His curiosity was churning in his heart. He says, Paul, tell me some stuff. Tell me some stuff. I, let me tell you this, and I was telling Miss Sharon this the other day. I can remember years ago when I went to the doctor, and I, I took my doctor, one of the books I had wrote on Bible prophecy, and the waiting room was in horseshoe-shaped, and people sitting out there piled up on, almost on top of each other. And I had previously given my doctor a book, and he had taken it with him on his vacation. He began to read it. When he got back, it was a book of prophecy. When he got back, I had to go to, to him to talk to him for a little bit and get some things straight. And I waited for him to call my name. Place was packed out there. And when I got in there, after he, we went through my physical stuff, he's sitting on a little rolling chair. And you know, the white coats that they wear inside his white coat, he had his prescription pad. And he's sitting on his little stool. I'm sitting on this little stool. He rolls over to me and he pulls out his prescription pad. And he says, tell me some stuff. I want you to explain to me this thing about the tribulation. I want you to explain to me about Jesus coming again. And the first thing that goes to my mind is, Hey, Doc, there's a, there's a pile of people out there. 
They're all wanting to talk to you. And he's, he's writing the scriptures down. That, that blew me away. But you think about this. When this man came, he said, Paul, tell me some stuff. Tell me some stuff. And Paul gives the testimony. And then to hear him say, hmm, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Can you imagine spending eternity in hell with those words, almost, spinning around your brain forever, almost? And how about the other guy? He said, man, tell me some stuff. Paul gives a witness and he says, mm, can you come back another day? I want to hear more about this. Come back at a more convenient season. Can, can you imagine spending eternity in hell with the words, come back another time. Come back another time. So the word is clear. Whether it's well done or depart from me, according to the verse of Scripture, at the name of Jesus, every knee, every knee will bow. But pastor, is it really possible then that a person can know beyond the shadow of a doubt that they are truly, truly saved. Absolutely. And I want to close with this verse. We're over time. But I'll pick up with this, Lord willing, next Wednesday night. And it's a classic verse. There are probably more than 10 people in this auditorium tonight that can quote this passage by heart. And I want to give it to you. It's 1 John 5.13. I... I have heard many people quote this verse and hold on to it for years. It's become a favorite of mine. And this is what John says. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know, K-N-O-W, that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. I'm glad there are scripture references tonight, passages in the Bible that tell us we can know. K-N-O-W, know that we have eternal life. Aren't you glad tonight if you know the Lord is your Savior, you don't have to go through life thinking, well, I hope so. I've witnessed to people and they say this, nobody knows for sure, preacher. Only God and nobody knows until we cross that great divide. That's not true. God does know, but he's not the only one that knows. If you have been saved by the marvelous grace of God, marvelous grace of Jesus, by his precious blood, he has forgiven you of your sins. He has cleansed you. You know it too. Well, we got to stop. 804. Kids out there doing jumping jacks. I see him right now. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, Visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.